Some of you might know the name Patton Oswalt. Patton Oswalt is a comedian. Uh, you may have heard of him. You may be familiar with him. I, I personally find him very funny. Uh, he is an atheist, and at times uh, he seems a little hostile about faith. And honestly, Christianity and Christians are often targeted in his act. In 2016, his wife, Michelle McNamara, tragically died in her sleep at the age of 46. It was determined later that she had an unknown heart condition and some medication that she was on had exacerbated that and led to her death. She was, she was not a comedian. She was an author. She wrote about true crimes, and as a true crime author, she saw a lot of evil. She saw a lot of just terrible things in this world. And Michelle had a motto that she lived by. It was these words, it's chaos, be kind. It's chaos, be kind. That sums up our world. It's chaos. And it should sum up our response. Be kind. After her death, Patton was asked about his atheism and, and how he handled the passing of his wife. And he was asked by an interviewer what he did mentally and emotionally to get through that horrible loss without having any faith to rely on, without having any religion to rely on. And I, I, I really appreciated his response. He said this, I do have a belief system. But that belief system comes down to what Michelle always said, which is, it's chaos, be kind. If you want to talk to God or whatever you think God is, go be nice to another person. That is the best way to communicate with the infinite. Be nice to a family member, a loved one. Go and spread that around. It's chaos. Be kind. I, I love that. And what this atheist doesn't realize is he has somehow stumbled across the heart of the Gospel. And Jesus would tell you that these words are the purest form of worship. It's chaos. Be kind. In fact, that's exactly what Jesus is saying in one of His most well-known parables, one of His most beloved stories. You find it in Luke chapter 10, verses 25-37. through 37. If you grab one of those Bibles in front of you, it's on page 869. I've got the notes uploaded to the Bible app if you're using the Bible app. You know this parable as the parable of the Good Samaritan. And Jesus tells this parable in response to a question that he's asked. And in verse 25, a lawyer, a, a lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, at the heart of that question, at the, at the heart of that question is this: what's the bare minimum? What is the bare minimum? that God expects out of me? And the heart of the answer is this. It's chaos. Be kind. Lawyer stood up and put him to the test saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, Well, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he, that is the lawyer, the lawyer answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your hearts and with all of your soul, and with all of your strength, and with all of your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. 
And he, Jesus, Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, well, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, he came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. And he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn to, to take care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Now which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among robbers? And he said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. I can't get around those final words. I can't get around those final words. You go and do likewise. That is so essential to our faith. It's so essential to the life that we have been called to. A life which produces the fruit of kindness. And if an unbeliever like Patton Oswalt, someone who is at times openly hostile towards Christianity, if he can get this, then why can't we? If he can understand this, why can't we? Why do so many Christians get hung up on other things when right here before anything else, Jesus lays out who we need to be? And what Jesus tells us, even before he gets to the story, even before we get to the story of the Good Samaritan, Jesus tells us that true life is found in imitating God's love. The question that, that Jesus was asked, it was a common question. It was asked of all the rabbis. Everybody had a uh, everybody was asked the question and everybody had a different answer. What is the greatest commandment, teacher? They would ask to find out what this rabbi kind of settled on. What did he think was important? What is the greatest commandment? Well, we've got 10 to choose from, right? And some of them would say, well, the, the greatest commandment would be the first. You shall have no other gods before me. That's got to be the greatest commandment. But others would get creative and they would say, well, the, the greatest commandment is you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Like, well, that's... That was that person's opinion. Another person might say, well, the greatest commandment is that you need to honor the Sabbath. You need to keep it holy. Others would say that the greatest commandment was honor your mother and father. But did you notice what Jesus did here? Jesus doesn't answer the question. Jesus turns it around and he asks the lawyer to answer the question. How do you read it? What do you think? Tell, tell us what you think the greatest commandment is. He lets the man answer and that tells us a lot about this guy's heart. And Jesus loved this guy's answer because this guy doesn't go to the ten commandments at all he doesn't go to god's top ten like you would think anyone would go to he doesn't go there instead he goes to the foundational statement for the jewish people you don't need to turn there but it's found in deuteronomy chapter six we call it the shema that's a hebrew word for here and it's the first word in this statement here O israel the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. This guy gets it. He understands how important that is because before you can obey the Ten Commandments, you need something more important. You need to know 
the God who loves you. You need to know how to love Him in return. But how do you love Him in return? How do you love God? What do you give the God who has everything, right? What, what do you give to Him? What do you give to the God who has everything? Genesis, Genesis tells us that, that God created us in His image. That each one of us, each human being, distinct from all the other elements, all the other animals in creation, distinct from everything else in creation, human beings bear the image of God. No matter how lost a person is, no matter how hopeless a person seems, no matter how messed up they are, no matter what they've done, every human being you encounter bears an element of the image of God. There is something of the divine in that person. And knowing that, this lawyer responds to Jesus in verse 27, and he says, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus' response in verse 28 is simply, you have answered correctly. Now go, then do this, and you will live. Do this, and you will live. Do you hear that? Do this, and you will live. Do you hear the promise that's there? Now, now I know that the Christian faith is about a lot more than just being nice to people. I know that the Christian faith is about more than just kindness. I know that there are a thousand points of theology that we can either agree on or we can disagree on, and that in the long history of the church, we have divided again and again and again over all this other stuff. But you can't miss this. You can't miss the call to kindness. You can't miss the call to love our neighbor. And before anything else that we might consider essential to the Christian faith, there is love. And the best way to love God is to love your neighbor. Do this and you will live. Do this. And that's something we got to see. Do this and you will live. Uh, that's something we got to see. Kindness does something. Kindness does something for someone else. Kindness helps others. We can't forget, we can't forget who Jesus is here. This is Jesus. This is God. This is the Creator. This is the Creator of that lawyer. And He knows His creation. He knows His heart. And He knows the intent that's behind His question. And so in verse 29, it says, but he, that is the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, well, and, and who is my neighbor? In other words, tell me who I don't have to love. You hear that? Who is my neighbor? Tell me, tell me who I don't have to love. Tell me who I have to love and tell me who I don't have to love because there are people that I don't want to love. There are people I don't want to be responsible for. So he's looking for a loophole. And Jesus being Jesus, he doesn't give him a loophole. Instead, Jesus tells him a story. It starts again there in verse 30. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Now, you and I don't really have to worry about priests and Levites. That's not part of our 
thought. It's not part of our system. We don't think much about priests and Levites today. But both of them worked in the temple. Both of them were there to help people with their sacrifices. The job of a Levite, the job of a priest, was to be a bridge between God and man. To stand there in the gap and help man with his sacrifices. That was their job. And neither one of them helped this man. Now understand, verse 30 says that these robbers beat him and left him half dead. And Jesus doesn't tell us which half was dead. Okay, He doesn't tell us just how dead the guy looked, but he looked dead at the very least. And if these men had touched a dead body, that would have made them unclean and they would not have been able to go to the temple. Now even if the man's not dead, he is bleeding. And if they were to have come in contact with body fluids... This would have left them unclean and they would not have been able to go to the temple and they would not have been able to make sacrifices. They would have both been unclean. They would have been unable to serve. And so in a sense, they're looking out for their jobs. Is helping this man going to benefit us? Or is it going to make us look like we're unclean also? Is this going to make us look bad if we help him? There's a story in this book and... I've got two more copies of this to give away today. Your next 24 hours, one day of kindness can change everything. I am so in love with this book. It is an amazing little book. There's a story in this book about a man named Jorge Manaz. I'm probably pronouncing his last name wrong. But Jorge, every night after work, he goes home and he prepares 150 meals with his family. 150 meals. And then he takes them back out to the streets to feed the homeless. Jorge is not rich. Jorge drives a school bus. Can you get rich driving a school bus? No, I don't think you can. But his family is committed to buying food in bulk. And every night, 365 days a year, they prepare meals and they deliver them back to the people out on the streets. Jorge said this, it's a beautiful thing to hand someone a meal who hasn't eaten all day and that person looks at you and says, thank you so much. God bless you. There's another story about a barber in the book. There's a story about a barber from Melbourne, Australia who, who takes his day off. One day a week, he takes his day off and he goes to the parks in town and he finds the homeless people. And he gives the homeless people professional-looking haircuts and shaves. And as much as they need the haircuts and shaves, he says many of them just want conversation. He said, so what if a person smells or if a person's on drugs or was on drugs, at the end of the day, they're all people that we should love. At the end of the day, they are all people that we should love. You know, the goal of love your neighbor. The goal of love your neighbor is not to define who you have to love and who you don't have to love. Who I'm obligated to take care of and who I have no obligation for at all. The goal of love your neighbor is to be the best at what Jesus says matters the most. That's what kindness does. Because you don't know about that other person's chaos. You don't know about that other person's chaos. You don't know what they've been through. You don't know the depth of their pain. And so much of it is chaos that we can't even see. If we learned anything from the loss of Anthony Bourdain this week, Here's a man who had given so much of his life to kindness and caring for others, no one saw the chaos, the depression that he was going through. 
You can't know what someone is going through. All you can know is love God and love your neighbor. It's chaos. Be kind. And the reality that Jesus calls each of us to face in this story is simply this. Here's the reality of it all. No one can stop you from being kind. No one can stop you from being kind except you alone. You're the only one who can stop you from being kind. To truly understand the full extent of this story, you have to understand that the Samaritans, the Samaritans, they were hated. In fact, to hear the term good Samaritan in that culture, no one would have believed it. There's no such thing as a good Samaritan. Samaritans were treated as if they were less than human. They were simply animals to the Jews. They were not welcome in Jerusalem. They were not welcome to the temple at all. He was not welcome to the temple. He was not welcome in that relationship with God. So what did he have to lose by becoming unclean? What did he have to lose by helping this man who had been beaten by these robbers? He bandages the man up. He pours on the oil and the wine. He he gives of his own resources. He gives of his own money. And at the end of the story, Jesus asks the question there in verse 36, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among robbers? And you notice the response from this lawyer. He says in verse 37, the one who showed mercy. He won't even say, the Samaritan. He can't bring himself to say the word the Samaritan. He says the one who showed mercy. Ironically, this man who would have spent his entire lifetime identifying a Samaritan by his race doesn't do that here. He identifies him by his kindness. He identifies him by the way he imitates the kindness and the love of God. And so Jesus' response is simply go and do likewise. You go do the same. Go and do likewise. That's His call to each one of us. Go and do likewise. There is so much chaos in the world. Why would we ever need to add to the chaos? Why would we ever need to bring more chaos into this world? Why would we ever need to say, I don't have to help. That's not my responsibility or I gave it the office. It's chaos. Be kind. The call is that simple. And it starts right where you live. It starts with your neighbors. You know, the the fact is, if you're not kind to the people closest to you, what makes you think you're being kind at all? If you're not kind to the people nearest to you, what makes you think you're being kind at all. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul gives us the list of the fruit of the Spirit. Have you guys heard of the fruit of the Spirit? Are you familiar with them? You know about the fruit of the Spirit, right? Paul gives us that list of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's where we find that list. And then he ends, he ends that statement with, with this odd little mention, he says at the end of, of verse 23, after giving us the list of the, of the fruit of the Spirit, he says, against such things there is no law. 
You do these things. Against such things, there, there is no law. That's, that's an odd comment to me. Seems strange that he would even bring it up. And you realize he's not using law the way you and I would use law. He's not talking about civil law. He's not talking about governmental law. He's not saying, well, we have a, it's illegal to love people in my town, or we have an ordinance against kindness. We, you know, that's not the way he's using law. He's using law in a Jewish sense. And in a Jewish sense, if you broke the law, if you did something that caused you to break the law, it would separate you from God. It would separate you and keep you from worshiping God. If you broke the law, you would not be allowed to go to the temple. It would form a barrier between you and God. You would have to make a sacrifice. You would remain unclean, possibly until sundown. You couldn't go to the temple. You could not approach God. And so when Paul says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, and against such thing there is no law, none of these things are going to keep you from growing closer to God. None of these things are going to keep you from being the person that God created you to be. There is no law against them. In fact, according to what Jesus says in Luke chapter 10, verse 27 here in the story of the Good Samaritan, if you do this, you will live. If you do this, you will live. So what's keeping you from being kind? What's keeping us from, from helping other people? Who is keeping you from bringing hope to your neighbors, to your community, to your world? No one can stop you from being kind except you alone. It's chaos. Be kind. You know, if an atheist with, with no thoughts of eternity or eternal life, if an atheist can get that, then why can't we? If someone who has no concern with, with who God is or what He expects of us can get that, then, then why can't the church? The best way to love God is to be kind to other people. Can we not figure that out? What kind of world would we have? How much less chaos would there be? And you know, if you want, you could even be selfish about this. If you want to be a little selfish about this, did you know that researchers have, have discovered that, that kindness is good for you? Showing kindness to other people is actually good for you? Showing kindness influences the quality of your life. Showing kindness influences the longevity of your life. You will live longer if you are a kinder person. When you do kind things, you release a chemical in your brain called oxytocin. This chemical gets released in your brain, and oxytocin, it, 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 it boosts your immunity, it makes you feel happier, it, it becomes kind of addictive. When you do kind things, in a good way, you, you get kind of addicted to it. And your brain says, I want some more of that. I want some more oxytocin in my brain. And, and so you start doing more kind things, things that, that will get you more of that reward back. And in fact, the more oxytocin you have in your body, the kinder you become. You hear that? The more oxytocin you have in, in your body, the kinder you become. It boosts your immunity. It, it helps hold off diseases. It helps you live longer. What did Jesus say? Do this, and you will live. Do this, and you will live. Do you want to live? Do you want to experience a little bit of, of heaven right here and right now? Be kind. 
there are enough people around us who are experiencing hell right now. Let's show them kindness. Let's not add to, to their chaos. It's chaos. Be kind. Go and do likewise. Let's stand together and pray. Father, our world is full of chaos. There is sadness, there is sickness, there is depression, there is anger. There is so much that we see, and yet there is so much more that we cannot see. And the last thing that we want to do is add to the chaos in someone else's life. Help us to pass on the kindness that we have first known in You. Help us to show kindness that overshadows the chaos. Help us to bring just a few minutes of relief to someone desperate to know that somebody cares. Your Word tells us that Your kindness leads people to You. So help us to be agents of Your kindness. Let Your kindness be seen in us this week. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.